Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Epic Human Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Blair, and thanks for listening to today's episode. The Epic Human Podcast is a long-form podcast featuring risk-takers and high-performers from all walks of life, including startup founders, VC investors, artists, athletes, authors, pretty vast array of different types of folks, all with interesting stories to tell. This podcast was inspired by a series of conversations I recorded with my grandmother, Eileen, before she passed away. For those who don't know, she grew up extraordinarily poor in rural Jamaica and endured unimaginable hardships on her way to the American dream. And without her, I wouldn't be here speaking with you today. If you'd like to hear Eileen's full story, you can read the article I wrote on Medium titled Why I Started the Epic Human Podcast. Today's episode features Cam Woodson. Cam is the Epic Human Podcast's first returning guest, which is a big milestone for our podcast. The original podcast we recorded about two years ago and is one of the most listened to episodes in our history. I highly recommend you listen to that episode first, but if you don't feel like it, we catch up on things pretty quick. Cam is founder and CEO of Nomad Impact Ventures, a remote startup lab that starts, grows, and invests in impact-focused internet businesses. Cam is a digital nomad, a tech entrepreneur and investor who lives and works wherever he wants, and he's lived all over the world, and I would say he lives life on his own terms. His lifestyle gives him a unique perspective on life, work, and what's important. He, surprised, he always surprises me with his unconventional thoughts and philosophical musings. Plus, he's a great guy. I mean, we barely knew each other <laughs> the first time we recorded, but now I consider him a very good friend. This is also the first episode that I've ever recorded with video. So that's a new milestone for the podcast. And we're starting a YouTube channel and everything, so stay tuned for that. Today's episode is brought to you by SBZ Legal, a boutique law firm out of Oakland, California that specializes in working with early stage startups. As an investor, I have witnessed firsthand one of the most important decisions entrepreneurs make is choosing the right legal partner for their business. One common assumption is that all the good lawyers are all the expensive lawyers. So entrepreneurs will DIY their own legal needs and then end up paying thousands of dollars per hour for an attorney's time. But it doesn't have to be that way. SBZ Legal specializes in working with early stage startups. The firm was started by three Berkeley alumni with this crazy idea that business can be a tool for positive change. They focus on helping impact-driven organizations, forming their businesses, fundraising, hiring people, closing deals with customers, and protecting their intellectual property. Not only does SBZ take pride in doing high-quality work, they're also transparent about their pricing so you know what you're getting into. And this is very important, especially when you're an early-stage startup. You can learn more about SBZ at sbzlegal.com, or you can contact them at info at sbzlegal.com. If you'd like to drop by and say hello, their address is 1939 Harrison Street, Suite 610, Oakland, California, zip code 94612. And I'm legally required to say that this may be considered attorney advertising. So thanks to SBZ, and thank you guys again for listening. So without further delay, please welcome an epic human, Cam Woodson. Okay, welcome. Uh, I'd like to welcome Cam Woodsome, uh, CEO of Nomad Impact Ventures, remote startup lab that starts, grows, and invests in impact-focused internet companies. Um, Cam, welcome back to the Epic Human Podcast. It's good to be back. <laughs> it's so good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> it's been almost two years, and yep. uh, we haven't seen each other in person, so this is a real treat. Yeah, this is... Uh... This is great. I'm I'm excited. I've I've been thinking about wanting to do an, an episode two for for a while, but 
as we talked about a little bit this past year, like I had some, some crazy business stuff and was, yeah, was, was trying to keep a low profile for a bit, but, but yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're back and here we are. <laughs> yeah, man, we're going to get into all that. I'm super excited. And so, and, uh, like we talked about earlier, you are the first returning guest to the Epic Human podcast. Well, so I'm, I'm honored. <laughs> I appreciate it. We're thrilled to have you. Um, it was funny because I was looking back just recently or thinking back and when we first did the podcast, we met like only like le- like a week or two beforehand. We didn't know each other very well. But then after we did the podcast, I felt like we know each other really well. And I consider well, you a good friend we, now. And we went deep. Yeah. You asked, a, you asked a lot of questions. We really <laughs> dug in. Actually, um, I mean, I did express this to you privately, but but I really I really appreciated that. That was it was a cool moment for me to be able to just capture a moment in time of, of how I, how I viewed the world and how I viewed myself. And it just, we, we, you really helped to capture just a snapshot and you really asked a lot of good opening questions. And, um, now it's something that'll be out there forever. So I I really, I really appreciate you. Yeah. Taking the time to, to do that. And I'm glad we're doing another one. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Same here. And I appreciate you just, you know, going for it and being so open and, uh, and your story is just like so amazing. Um, and I know it's evolved since then and we're going to get into that. Uh, but just for anyone who hasn't, uh, listened to it, go check it out. It's, uh, the first, the first podcast called the enlightened nomad, uh, with Cam Woodson. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like you have this very like different kind of lifestyle than most people. Um, and uh, a lot of people are kind of familiar with this like digital nomad, uh, kind of, uh, trend. Uh, but you're the first person I really met that was actually going, went out there and did it. Um, and I know things have changed quite a bit since the last time we talked, like you're, I remember you had some changes around lifestyle, changes around business, changes around like your, your kind of geographic strategy. So maybe you could just kind of catch, you know, everybody up on, on, uh, since two years ago. (laughs) I mean, a, a lot, has, a lot, that's a, that's a heavy question. Yeah. Um, I think the quick high level update in my life is, well, since we spoke two years ago, I, let's see, I, I lived in Colombia, Hungary, Serbia, Bali, South Florida. I was in Playa del Carmen, Mexico. And then this past summer I was in Boston and I was just in Austin and I'm headed back to Bali on Saturday, and I'm planning to make that, I think my home base kind of indefinitely going forward. Um, and business-wise, things have been really good. Um, I've gotten I've gotten to a good place. I've really focused, the last few years, I've really been focused on building passive income and just trying to, like eliminate finances and money from my life equation, I guess, like just removing that so that I can just focus on spending my time in ways that will make me happy and give me meaning and add value into the world. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where I've reached. And now I feel, I feel very free. I feel like over the last few years, I've, I mean, I've done that. And then on a personal side, I've really broken down. I've rebuilt my whole life. Like I've rebuilt how I view myself, how I view the world, how I think about how I want to spend my time and being outside of the U S and 
being abroad and spending a lot of time solo and just reflecting, I guess my relationship with myself and my mind has strengthened a lot and I understand myself a lot better. And it's just been, a, I mean, since we, the year before we talked, when I, after I left San Francisco in early 2017 and we talked in early 2018, that was a huge transformational year. And the two years since then have also been just as transformational. And yeah, it's just so, been, it's been a grand adventure. Like I'm, I'm, so, I'm loving it. So, so let, let's dig into some of those things. Um, so, so first off, location wise, when, when we, when we first talked, you kind of had a, a strategy as far as I recall, that was mainly around living abroad outside the U S low cost areas. Um, and then, you know, just hearing you talk now and, and following you kind of along the way, you spent some time in different areas in the U S um, can you just talk about like kind of what drove that decision and like how that plays into your kind of longer term idea? Yeah. So I grew up in Boston, so I, I wanted to go back in Boston, spend a summer there which I did and I really enjoyed it. And it was also nice being at my parents. I'm, I'm just such a frugal person now. <laughs> and, uh, free place to live. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. great. And then, I, and then I was in Austin and a big part of it was, well, this past year I was, I had a return flight back to Bali in January that I didn't go on. And the reason was because um, I've been dealing with acne for a very long time and I decided to get on Accutane, which is like an intense acne drug. And I just needed to be in the U S or close to the U S to refill prescriptions. So I didn't go back. And then while I was in Mexico, I had an Instagram business, which really took off. And so I just needed to be on a U.S. time zone. So then I just, I went to Boston and then just stayed put in the U.S. And now that business has since died. And so I'm free and I'm going back out into the wild. Um, but being back in the U.S. has been, it's been interesting on a lot of levels, which that's a very vague word, but. In, in what ways? Positive, negative? <clears throat> well, mix? I mean, growing up in this country and living the first 25 years of my life here and then spending essentially two straight years not in the country. And it's changed dramatically since, in a lot of ways since I've left. Um, I mean, there's been a lot of, even within just in the Bay Area as far as, uh, I mean, the Me Too movement happened, um, the, you know, the trans, the, the, uh, acceptance or the, um, the comfortability with being trans has, I mean, that's like leaving the U S and coming back sort of in a time capsule. I mean, that's, that's a dramatic thing that I see, mm. which is great. Yeah. I mean, the aspect that people are more comfortable in their own skin is fantastic. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just a lot, a lot has shifted. I mean, you know, with, with our country, there's a growing divide and, uh, it's, just, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time to have left and then to come back and just sort of seeing things in a time capsule. And so <clears throat> when you're, when you're in traveling in some of these countries or some of these areas, um, are you, are you tracking kind of what's going on in the U S or is it harder to do that just because is it harder to do that just cause you're, you're not physically there or is it more like 
your, your personal philosophy is like you try to kind of immerse yourself like where you are, like what's the, how does that work? So I've tried to be really conscious about not reading the news too actively. Um, but I have tried to keep an active pulse. Like I, I'll try to do five minutes a day to just get a pulse on what's happening and then not pay any other attention to try to keep my sanity. <laughs> um, and, and after Trump won the election, I used to be an avid Twitter user and I got off Twitter because Twitter's amazing because you're inside the minds of lots of interesting people. But when everyone's minds are in a state of chaos and destruction, it's a horrible place to hang out. So I, I left Twitter essentially. Um, but how I've really, my favorite way abroad, not being in the US, not being able to talk to Americans all the time, my favorite way to keep a pulse on what's happening are comment sections. Where? Uh, <clears throat> so it used to be ESPN. Okay. And because earlier on when I was traveling, there was the whole thing with NFL players kneeling during anthems. Kaepernick, yeah. <laughs> and the comment sections were, were wars, absolute yeah. just bloodbaths. <laughs> but it was, I found it to be really insightful um, of just understanding what really random people. Because, I mean, who's taking the time, right, to debate people in an ESPN comment section? It's a very random uh, selection of humans. Right. And I just found it was an interesting way to just keep a pulse on what people are thinking about. ESPN has since, I think because of these bloodbaths, they've since deleted their comment section, which I was really disappointed about. <laughs> it was a very random event that I, that probably great disappointment because that... I used to kind of rely on that to try to keep the pulse on things, but now I'll look at like YouTube comment sections and, and tech crunch and just yeah. any sort of controversial article you'll see people just, and then you can really understand, uh, I think the, yeah, the strong opinions of people. That's interesting that like ESPN would be kind of the place of where, where that's like apolitical, like everyone loves sports, everyone comes together. And so you can actually get that cross section of, of, uh, of kind of us. Oh, man, political those, and they're probably all gone. Cause I think they got rid of their comment <clears> sections, <throat> but those comment sections, when it was talking about kneeling, oh my God, people used to be trying to kill each other in there. It was, Man, it was wild. It's intense. Yeah, I, I've also similarly like tried to go on a news diet. Like I deleted like my CNN, like all my, you know, all my apps um, for news and I've, uh, over the past couple of years and it has helped a lot. Uh, and yeah, like sometimes I'll like, I'll, I'll hear people talking about something that happened. Oh, this, you know, this happened today. And then I'll like go check it out. But that's enough. That's enough for me. Like I don't need to like, because the big things you hear about, but like the little things you don't really need to know about no, all the time. No, there, there's a really interesting graph. I have this, one of my favorite thinkers is this guy, Nat Eliason. Um, and he wrote an article about how there's basically an inverse correlation between, if I'm getting this, if I'm describing this right. Yeah, there's an inverse correlation between how much time spent reading the news and the, the importance of what you're reading. And so it's like in the first couple of minutes, the stuff's really important. And then it just very dramatically decreases and the news cycles are built just to hook you in. Um, but I thought it was, it was an interesting way of thinking about things of, okay, there's, there's only a few minutes of stuff that you, that's valuable to know. And then everything else is just junk and noise. Yeah. Well, uh, so, so just shifting gears a little bit, um, you talked about, you 
talked uh, briefly about acne and, um, and you put a YouTube video out kind of talking about it briefly. Um, I was just wondering if you could comment a little bit about, about that, like what that journey has been like for you. And first off, just want to say like, I was just so impressed with your courage to like talk about that so openly and your vulnerability. Um, but maybe you could just kind of like walk, walk people through kind of that journey for you. Cause it sounds like it was, it was kind of, a quite a journey. Well, yeah, I mean, it's something I'm, I'm 28 now and it's something I've been dealing with since I was 16 or something. And it's something where I didn't have, some people have, have really intense like cystic acne um, with really deep scarring and, and really, you know, I didn't have that, but I, I just had just very consistent. It would be, it would, my skin would be normal and then it'd flare up. And so for 10 years, I, you know, I dealt with waking up every morning and hoping that my skin, it doesn't flare up because, uh, right or wrong, it, it very much affected my confidence, especially on a dating level. Um, I mean, most like interacting with guys, I mean, guys don't give a crap, right? <laughs> but, but on a dating level, I mean, yeah. that, um, for better or worse, that matters and, and your self-confidence and how you feel about yourself matters. And so that's just been, that's been a battle for a very long time, like an emotional battle. And, uh, and 20, 2018, I tried to beat it holistically. Like I tried to, I cut out gluten. I cut out dairy. I cut out soy. I stopped eating grains. Like I went on this crazy elimination diet. I stopped doing all nighters, which I like doing all nighters when I get in the zone on something. I just really, I really tried to do everything in my power. I cut out all my favorite foods and did everything humanly possible in my power to beat it holistically. And I failed and <clears throat> it still kept flaring up. And that was, that was tough. Like the end of last year was tough because if you give everything in your power to try to do something, you do everything you can do and you still lose. That hurts really bad. And, and then I, I mean, I ended up, it was as simple as getting on, getting on Accutane and my skin cleared up within a few weeks and they call it, it's like the, it has a, it's known to have a bunch of side effects, but it's the closest thing there is to a cure for acne. And so hopefully knock on wood that, uh, that it'll, it'll never come back. But my, my skin's been very clear since the beginning of this year and it's been, it's been great. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is since I started traveling, I got my life and myself and, and everything to a point where everything in my life was exactly how I want it to be. Like everything was in a, in a, not a perfect place, but, uh, I was happy with everything in my life except acne. And that was the one within Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That was like the one blocker before I could just, just go out and kind of unleash myself, I guess. Um, and so getting past that's been great. And I think my biggest learning in regards to overcoming like insecurities and challenges and what's worked really well for me, what's also the 
it makes it the biggest up and down emotional journey, but is the first 10 years when I was dealing with acne, I, I went through the motions of, you know, I, I saw a dermatologist and I, I tried different stuff and some of it sort of worked, some of it didn't. But the big change was about two years ago when, or let's see, maybe, how long is this? I guess maybe a year and a half ago. Sorry, two years ago, two years ago, I committed every ounce of my being to beating this. I was like, I don't know how long this is going to take. I don't know what it's going to take, but I will do whatever it takes to beat this and get past this. Like I, I'm tired of it and I'm, I'm, I'm all in, like I will do whatever. I will go to the end of the earth to beat this. And I've adopted that mentality in different aspects of my life. And whenever I do that and, and commit everything to that, things end up working. It, it's, it's, it works out like, and I think that shift is just, is so critical because the, the other layer is the reason I didn't do this Accutane drug a long time ago is because I battled a whole depression in high school, which was induced by taking like Adderall and ADHD drugs. Mm. So I'm very wary about drugs that have kind of mind altering side effects mm. just because they played a, a big role in my life. And this was a last resort and I'm glad I did it, but I probably wouldn't have done it if I hadn't fully committed. Hmm. Wow. I didn't, I didn't know that that was kind of a side effect, a common side effect of, of that drug. There's, there's <clears throat> all kinds of, some people deal with, uh, I mean, my understanding of the drug and maybe I'll get skewered for misunderstanding <laughs> it, but forgive me, forgive my ignorance. My understanding is it essentially permanently alters like some of your, your body chemistry and, and oh. how your skin produces like oil and sebum, okay. which is why I, I think I could be completely wrong here, yeah. honestly. Yeah. But that's um, the theory anyway. But, but it yeah. also, it affects other things. And so some people have issues with like permanent, uh, like soreness and their joints and like there, there, there are some really intense reported side effects. Oh, some people deal, there've been reports of depression from it and different things. So it's just a really intense body altering drug. Hmm. Um, well, it's interesting. Cause, uh, you, the first thing you said was like, you know, guys don't really notice if you, if someone had asked me, Hey, does Cam have acne? I would have said, no, like it didn't even, it didn't even come on my radar. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely understand how there there's things like that, you know, you know about yourself and you don't like about yourself or, or you have issues with. And uh, the fact that you kind of went and, and did that. I, I, I was also kind of, um, if I remember right, cause I think we, we touched base like a year ago or so. Um, you talk about how you had like everything going right. Right. Except this one issue. Um, you know, and, and you're, you're kind of like living this very unique lifestyle that a lot of people can't live or, 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 or don't live. And then what I think I heard you say earlier is you had to move back to the U S to do this, right? So you yeah. kind of had to, to solve this issue, you kind of had to compromise on that issue. Like, how did you think about like those trade-offs and. Well, that was part of it. It was, I mean, I sacrificed a lot to, 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 
to battle this. You know, I, I was really happy living in Bali and I left, uh, and I came back and, you know, I sacrificed so much on a diet level. I sacrificed where I was living. I mean, that was, that was part of my, my commitment, but I think when you, when you make full commitments like that, it's not necessarily a big debate internally. It's just like, okay, I already committed to this. So I just, I need to follow through on this. Um, yeah. So it was just something that okay. it just, it just had to be done. So Cam, um, one other thing I wanted to ask you about was, uh, you, you mentioned like on your YouTube channel that you hit some like major milestones with on the financial side, on the business side of what you've been doing. Um, can you just catch us up in, into like, uh, what that journey has been like? Yeah. So, um, the last few years I've really been focused on like, how do I build enough passive income or, or financial income? uh, to like really free up my time and be able to work on things I'm passionate about and things I think will be impactful in the world. And so this, this last year has been a big year for me. The big thing was I had my first kind of breakout business success, which was like an Instagram growth business, which, um, uh, it's something that we, we scaled up a lot. Like <clears throat> the business had, at early on in the year was just a small side passive business. We were about 5,000 MRR per month, monthly recurring revenue. So you're just, you're, you're basically helping people, uh, increase their Instagram following. Is that, is that the, yeah. the idea of the business? Yeah. Okay. So it was a, when we were an Instagram service, um, growing people's Instagram accounts and I can talk about it because the business, we didn't end up making that much money. Yeah. It was something where I wanted to do a podcast with you, but we're kind of operating in a gray area from an Instagram perspective. Oh, I see. Um, I see. And that, that's the other thing that's like unique about <clears throat> per our last conversation is some, some of, some of the businesses that one has to, what one's kind of that one can do when you're, you're, you're remote, you can't always talk about it because, uh, like some certain like affiliate models and whatnot, like if you let the word out, then it becomes something that's, that, that gets competitive like really quickly. So I know you can't always talk about all your businesses. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so this particular business, I mean, we scaled up very briefly. We scaled up to like a couple hundred thousand dollars in recurring revenue. Um, and we had a, a very happy customer base and the business was zooming and like we were, I mean, we were moving very quickly and then there were a lot of Instagram changes and we did not survive. Like we, the year was a lesson in, I suppose, crisis management of managing thousands of clients and having like constant service outages that weren't within our control. Mm and figuring out how to keep people happy and how to, um, and just do things the right way when you're dealing with constant disasters, basically, of, you know, how do you compensate people? How do you, how do you, how do you manage that? But we scaled up. I mean, we, the business 
got, we had a few thousand customers across 80 countries. We had a team of about 14 full-time people across 10 countries. Um, and it was great. It, it was a lot of validation and a lot of great learning. Like I like building, I, I build no meeting, no phone call companies. So it's just heavily automation powered and workflow powered. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was, that was a great ride. And, and then the other things that have gone really well since we talked are like content and affiliate type businesses, which are essentially businesses or their websites with information. Uh, they get visitors from Google search and they make money by linking out to other sites where people buy things. Um, and I have a couple of those that have gone very well. And, um, those are great cause they're, they're very, very passive. Um, and there's no, no end customers and, um, they're just cash flow businesses. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. um, that's brilliant. And, and, uh, in those cases, do you also have to have a bunch of employees or is that something you just do on your own? So th- with those I've used one-off contractors, but for the most part, I've done everything. Like I've written most of the articles. I, I built the sites. I designed the sites. I did the, the, all the marketing stuff. Right. Um, and that's something that I, I really like building solo. Like, yeah. uh, I like not having investors. I like if possible, not having co-founders because I've just realized when my life is all optimized around freedom and being able to control my time and, you know, being able to chat on, what does it say? It's a Wednesday being able to sit here and, and chat and, uh, having as much flexibility and freedom as possible. And I found that if you're building things without stakeholders, which it forces you to learn every part of every business and be able to essentially run every department of a business, but, uh, gives you a lot of freedom. And if things don't go well, you don't have employees to fire and, uh, you know, accept. well, I mean, in the Instagram business, we did have to, we had to end up having to lay off all of our yeah. people, but, yeah. um, but we were 15 and that was very lean. Like we, we hired as few people as we possibly could. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like, yeah, I like, I like really lean, super, super lean things. Um, and yeah, now, I mean, my year this year, now that that business is gone and, uh, I'm, I'm really focused. I've realized how I want to spend my time and now I'm going to spend my time like that, which is, I really want to get involved in the U S elections specifically. I'm really interested in the digital voter registration nonprofits of like getting more people to register to vote and getting more people to the polls. And I've realized just with my digital creative skill set that I could be really impactful with within one of those. There's a couple big nonprofits, um, that are really lean and very high impact. So that's, I'm really interested in getting involved in that. Um, what, what, does it, what does that mean? What, like, what exactly, what exactly would you be doing with, the, like with them, for them? Like, so what I pitched, I talked to, I talked to vote.org and what I'd like to do, what I'd like to help with is celebrity and influencer partnerships because the voter registration nonprofits are uniquely positioned as nonpartisan direct response platforms. So if they post something on social media, people can take immediate action by either registering to vote or signing up and getting 
notifications to remind them to vote and remind them where their polling station is or where their voting station is. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so one of my core skill sets now is mass email harvesting and mass email outreach. So I would love to do celebrity and influencer outreach, like, you know, pulling hundreds of thousands of emails and, and mass outreaching. And I think that would be really impactful. Is that, is that because you have like a lot of celebrity <clears throat> friends? No, no, it's, it's more, more just because, uh, I understand how to scrape lots of emails off hmm. the internet. Hmm. Um, and so I think that I could build out like a very large contact list and then run very large scale, um, outreach campaigns. And because the interest in this upcoming election is so high that a lot of people want to get involved, but probably don't know exactly what the right way to get involved is. Mm. And so that's where I think if you, if you lay it up, you say, Hey, here's some images you can post on social media. Here's some messaging. And you know, this is why this might be interesting to you. And if you put that in front of a ton of people, then there's a decent chance that a lot of them are going to do something. Hmm. That's, that's refreshing. Cause you know what I thought you were going to say? I thought you were going to say, is like, Hey, you know, I love this candidate. I'm really, you know, all behind this candidate, but, but you're really, so, this is really a bipartisan yeah. kind of, uh, activity. And, and I thought about that. Um, I thought about getting involved within a campaign, but I really like, I really like building lean things and operating independently. And I, I just concluded, I mean, I could do that. And if nothing pans out on the, the digital side, I, I probably will end up doing that, mm. but I don't think I'd enjoy it. I'd do <laughs> it, but I don't think I'd enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what, do, you, do you know what the stat is on, in terms of how many people actually vote? I, I mean, it's like shockingly low. I don't, I actually, I, I, I don't know that yeah, stat. Yeah. But, but it's like, thanks, it's, for, it's, thanks it, for exposing me as a fraud over here. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but I mean, but, but I think it's well known that it's, yes. it's like, it's shockingly yes. low, um, in terms of how people turn out. Uh, so, and I, I, and I actually really respect that you're, you're, you're basically enhancing the democratic process, not necessarily like kind of like picking a dog in the fight. Um, and that's refreshing just, you know, like, uh, like we talked about in this like divided, uh, world we live in right now. Um, so, so I appreciate that. I think that. there's going to be, I think there's going to be long-term ramifications of this, this divide. I feel like it's going to take our country a very long, a very long time to, to recover. And if ever, yeah, right? <laughs> I mean, since I've started traveling, I've, I've been, I've thought about being less on one side or the other and more being like pro understanding and pro compromise mm-hmm. of like, okay, how do we, you know, how do we build something that works for more people and that, that we can kind of meet in the middle on. And one of the things that frustrates me the most about, about Trump is, um, it's just very dividing. Like he, he, and that's a big reason why things have worked for him is he's, he's made things very polarized and, and part, I think he, his supporters might counter that some of it has been, you know, the news on the other side and, and that's probably fair, but, um, there's been a lot of, a lot of dislike towards other people that's been sowed 
And I think he, he bears a lot of the responsibility for that. Yeah. I mean, and, and I would say it's, it's also possible that, you know, he's just a, um, you know, he's taking advantage of something that's already happening. Right. Um, and I mean, he's done it masterfully. Oh yeah. Yeah. You gotta be impressed, um, (laughs) in a way, but, uh, but yeah. And, and I wonder like, I, I think about too, just the, the geographical divide, you know, we have in this country, um, you know, between the coasts and like the middle of the country and, um, and these kind of, uh, these vacuums that are, are, uh, or, uh, what are they called? Um, kind of echo chambers that, that are happening on the coast. I mean, San Francisco, this is like as good an example as you could, uh, you could imagine. But, um, I remember when I was living in Canada, I, I had a similar kind of feeling where it was like, because I was outside of it, I was, I was more like team USA <laughs> as mm. opposed to like, any particular, uh, political party, uh, because you, you kind of, when you're, when you're outside of it, you kind of realize like, Hey, we're all in this together. We have, we have a, a, a unified identity of some sort, especially, you know, from the outside looking in. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, so, so tell me also a little bit, you know, you, you, you kind of mentioned your, you're at this point where things are going well on the business side, you're kind of optimized around freedom, um, you know, financially things are going well. On, on one of your, your recent uh, kind of YouTube posts, you said, you said something that kind of w- was, it was impactful for me or shocked me was, was you, you're, you now feel like you've reached financial freedom. I mean, that's a big deal. Like, yeah. can, you, can you talk about like just what that means to you or like how that changed your mindset or? Well, I think the big thing to point out first off is that I've reached financial freedom from a Bali perspective. <laughs> not from, and this not is, a baller this is, perspective, a Bali. <laughs> this has been part of my reflection of being in the U.S. is, I mean, if, if you want to quote unquote ball out in the U.S., you need to make a lot of money, like a lot of money. But if you want to ball out in a place like Thailand or in Indonesia, you don't need to make a lot of money. Um, and yeah, that's, that's been a, a big shift and sorry, I got to strike. What was the, what was the original I, question? I, I guess my, my, <laughs> my point is, um, <clears throat> I, I guess in general, it, it's, it's less about like the, like the practical, like how did you get there or, or what I, I'm just, I'm just curious as to like how that changed your mindset of, okay, now I've reached this milestone that I've been driving towards for a really long time. It seems like you're still going to be operating, you know, your business, your businesses are, are day to day, but not as it's not going to take as much building. It's more like sustaining. Yeah. So how has that changed? Like your mindset, like you've been driving towards this goal, you finally reached it. And like, how does that feel? I mean, it feels amazing. Like I've had, different moments in time where, you know, I'll go for a walk or I'll, I'll go down when I was in Austin, I'd go down to the river and kind of just sit there and just think about the, the wild ride it's been to get to today. And it's a really good feeling. And I think that in combination with figuring out how I want to spend my time and how I find meaning in the world and from life has been very transformational. And, um, yeah. And and, I mean, the big thing for me is number one, working on things that'll be impactful from a 
like a country and climate change perspective, which is why I want to get involved in the elections. Number two is creating content that will ideally help people to live better lives or at least be more conscious about how they're living their life and, and finding happiness and meaning out of life. And then number three is just trying to live like a happy life. And that's, that's what's bringing me to Bali and, and just trying to spend time surfing and enjoying life. And, um, but it's this point of freedom from a financial standpoint it's definitely brought me a lot of peace and I think it's empowering to, to push harder to, I think just, just try to help, help other people. And, um, yeah, it's, it's not, I'm not, I've never been interested or, or wanted to go just hang out and do nothing and just lay out like on a hammock or something. Just be like, all right, like, let me go smoke weed and drink coconuts. Like, I don't want to do that. Uh, I do want to do more things that'll make me happy on a day-to-day level, but I really want to create, I love building. Like I love building things. And now I just feel like I have the total f- time freedom to invest my time in ways that ideally will be will will create like meaningful change and impact in the world Mm. and uh on the election side i I sort of feel a like a moral obligation to get involved because of my time freedom because you know i have the time because i can and because i think my skill set aligns really well based on how i how I described things before, because my skill set aligns well, I just feel like I I need like I need to get involved. I I need to I need to try to use my what I've learned and what I've become good at in a way that is more than just bringing more income to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the on the side of helping other people, um, you know since we put out the podcast, I I've, I've sent our podcast to a bunch of people, a bunch of people have reached out. Um, you're an inspiration to a lot of people, uh, especially young people who said, who, who kind of, when I talked to them, they're like, I didn't even know that was a possibility. Right. Um, and so, so I love that you're kind of building this YouTube cha- channel and this presence to kind of share some of the lessons learned. You shared a few already that I, that I, that I wanted to ask you about. Um, one was about, um, was about launching early. And, uh, I love that. <laughs> I love that in your, your, uh, your YouTube post, you're, you're talking and there's like a car alarm that goes yeah. off and you're like, great, a car alarm. Um, but what, you know, what was the funniest part about that? What? As a, as a listener or a viewer, I couldn't hear the car alarm. And I thought it was so, um, it was just a perfect example of the things we notice when we're creating um, that you don't notice when uh, most casual viewers don't notice. So, so for example, I put out a podcast this week and I was like agonizing because like there was some static, you know, in certain parts of it. I'm like, Oh my God, you know, and, and then, but no one's ever come to me and said, yeah, great quality on that podcast. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but, but talk to me about like a little bit about this, this launch early, especially I want to, I want to touch on like the tension of launching early, but the quality has to be high enough, especially, 
you know, with the, has the bar for quality for business, for websites, for images, for video keeps rising. How do you think about that as like a business builder? Well, I think the first thing is I try to keep in mind, I try to keep that bar, that launch bar really low. And yeah, there's a, there is a tension of, Oh, I don't want to put out something that's embarrassing. But if you look at my first couple of YouTube videos, like maybe my second one, the lighting in one of them is horrific, <laughs> like so bad. Like there's these crazy black spots on the screen. <laughs> and, uh, I just think it, it's, it's so even I, I launched, I've launched a lot of different things across a lot of different spaces, business wise or project wise. And I still will get hung up on, on trying to be a perfectionist. And it's, I just feel like just getting out in the wild and building a lot, so much of it's just momentum and, and getting going. And, and I think, I think that's a, I imagine that's a big thing for a lot of people who are interested in building or maybe starting a business or doing something or starting a podcast or whatever it is. I mean, the biggest thing is just, it's just going, it's just, don't worry about the perfect mic. Um, don't worry, like, just, just do it. Just, just get going and, and then don't have any shame that it's bad because it's supposed to be bad. Like it's, and that was in that video I referenced the first, first version of Twitter of Kickstarter of Facebook. When you look at those sites, they look like crap and that's like, that's the process. That's, that's just how it goes. And I think it's, it's something that I, yeah, I mean, I still wrestle with and try to remind myself. Um, and actually I keep, well, in the video I, I had, I showed it cause it was on my wall, but there's a Reed Hoffman quote, which is if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. And I think that's a great way to think about launching. Yeah. I think, I think for people who are like a perfectionist or kind of struggle to like get going, I think it's, it's the right lesson. I think, um, it's just, I was mentioning earlier is, is I think the, the, the nuance to it is that the, the quality of it has to be like sufficiently reasonable such that I'll give you an example. So, um, a lot of, st- I, I, I look at like thousand startup decks a year. Right. And I think, I think, and, and it's, that might, that might be different. It's a, a bad, a bad startup deck could definitely but, sink you. But here's the thing is that, is that in a way we're all spoiled, right. In that we have beautiful products like Apple products. We have beautiful apps. We have beautiful websites that we look at every day. And so, you know, in a way I feel like um, we've, we've come accustomed to just looking at amazingly beautiful design products. Um, and so I feel like our mental bar, even if it's not like acknowledged is a little bit higher than it used to be. Um, so I I don't disagree with the sentiment, but anyway, so, so sometimes I, I get a deck from someone and I'm like, just send this to a designer and have them like, you know, spend a couple hundred dollars and have them like improve it because it shouldn't make a difference, but especially with, with, with people. Yeah. It, it does. Now, I think, now I, I think the I, lesson I like is important. Raising VC money. That's a different, that's a different, <laughs> that's a different ball game that I don't think that fits into the launch too soon. I'm talking like, yeah, if you're doing something solo. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm definitely, there are certain places where, 
yeah, a little extra oomph will help. I mean, if you're trying to raise millions of dollars and you're playing, you're playing, on, you're playing on a different playing field that I'm playing on here. Spend the two hundred dollars yeah. right? if you're trying to yeah. raise millions of dollars. Yeah, but but no, I in terms of like content generation, like I I totally agree. I mean, I I I struggled to get started for like for years, and um, and my first podcast episode, I interviewed my best friend, um, and. This is this is so great. We got it. We got to share. So we're in this beautiful apartment, um, and electrician oh. just came in, and he was like, "Yeah, we're gonna be cutting the power for a little bit." So you might notice the light just went out. Um, but again, this is like this launching is, in an imperfect we're situation. Going. This we're is going. this is a perfect example of what we were just talking about, because the the podcasters out there that you know have been doing this for ten years, they have podcasting studios and whatnot, and we're just like winging it. So this is a perfect example. We're rocking though. So hopefully the, the power will come back on and we'll get we'll get better lighting in here, but we'll just we'll make it work. Um, I also love the insight you had about launching anonymously. And can, can you just talk about that? Yeah, I feel like I mean that. I think that's a piece of advice that I imagine most, or I don't imagine it's not something that I hear that often. I don't think, but one of my philosophies is I like launching anonymously. So I am, I try to launch very soon, but I am a bit of a perfectionist and I, I like escaping the, the realm of judgment from other people, which is part of, I think why I like traveling because I'm just, I'm just out in the abyss and, uh, I'm too far outside of society to be judged by other people, which is great. And when building businesses, I like I like to frequently launch anonymously and then I'll work on it anonymously. And then six to 12 months down the road, I might bring it public or I might just kill it off. And no one ever knows that I experimented on this, but a lot of my best learnings have been from digital businesses that I've launched anonymously that I've died and I've never seen the light of day. And, but I've learned really key lessons and yeah. To me, this was a brilliant insight because um, when I was a CEO, I was a founder, um, every single conversation I had with family, friends, classmates, anything, the first thing anyone asked was, how's the business going, right? And I had to be like, it's going fantastic. Everything is wonderful. We're growing so fast, right? Where it is the reality of, of starting any business is you, you're, you're going in fits and starts. It's a roller coaster. It's going up and down. And I found that like the, the imposter syndrome that I was, that I was going through weighed on me very heavily. Um, and, and I was always kind of in the back of my mind, like what happens when I, if I fail, when I fail, um, what are people going to think? Everyone's counting on me. Everyone's rooting for me. Everyone knows that I'm like all in on this. Um, but the idea of doing this, like without updating LinkedIn, without telling people like, and then if it works out great and if it doesn't, no harm, that to me is just like an incredibly brilliant insight that I've, I've never heard anyone talk about that. Yeah. I mean, I, especially, I feel the same way. Like when I'm building new things, granted now that I've had some, now that I have some things that are making money and I don't really feel as much pressure and, and I care less. And I guess far, part of it's just from more self-confidence and, and yeah, just not, not caring as much about what other people think. But uh, even now when I'm building new things and I'm constantly building and working on new, new ideas, 
I kind of like doing it in isolation. Like I just, I don't like answering that question because with a new thing, there's no update. Like if you look at the site, it's going to look bad. Like, yeah. I don't have anything cool to, to share with you. Um, even if I, you know, I'm really bullish, this is going to work out, but I don't really like to talk about new things, especially if I haven't started at all. I don't really like talking about new things because it's just hard for people to grasp it if they can't touch it and see it or experience it. Um, and like you said, there's not always an update. It's like, it's a week yeah, later. Like, what do you, yeah, what, what yeah. do you expect? Um, and, and that's where I think, uh, building, building businesses just in the darkness and in a foreign country is great because, you know, I'm, when you interact with a lot of travelers, people don't really care what you're working on. They're just meeting you as a human. Yeah. And it's not like in a major city in the U S Oh, what do you do? You know, what do you, and when I'm building new things, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> right. Right. That's, I, I also think, um, another insight you had was around building multiple things at the same time. Right. And, and having like a diversity of activities. Um, can you, can you talk a little bit about that? The lights back on. We're back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, one of my great strengths is creativity. And I have a lot of different ideas and a lot of things that I like to work on. And yeah, I like building things solo and I like working on a bunch of different things at the same time. And then I get to just oscillate my time based on what interests me, what I, what's going well, what I, I really value. I mean, that's part of me optimizing basically every part of my life for freedom which is just being able to work on whatever I want, whatever I want to. And then, um, yeah, I guess offsetting risk to a certain degree, although you can definitely make the counter argument that, and this is a big thing with an entrepreneurship, uh, philosophy is, you know, don't get distracted by all this stuff. Focus on one thing. What I've realized is it only works to work on multiple things if they're passive. So if as they scale, there isn't a lot of incremental work because if, if things need a lot more time and nourishing as they scale, then, and you can't automate or, or outsource or cleanly scale the business without a lot more of your time, then it's hard to work on multiple things because something's going to happen and you're going to get dragged into it and everything else will fall by the wayside. But if you're building a lot of passive things at the same time, and you have a lot more flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and I, I agree. I think it, it has to, it has to fit with the type of business you're building, you know, if you need a team, if you need investors, et cetera, but just putting all that aside, like objectively from a mental, um, kind of sanity and like, and, and finding mental peace, like I, I identify with that idea of having a bunch of different irons in the fire and I'm not, emotionally attached to just one of them. And if one of them fails, like my life's over. Um, I think, I think Tim Ferriss talks about this a little bit in terms of diversifying your identity, right? So, so his advice to founders is, okay, you're, you're founding this company, you're obviously invested in it, but do have something else that you do that is important to you that you can make progress with so that if the company's not doing so well one day, okay, your, your exercise routine or something is going well, or your podcast is going well. I mean, that's something I think about as well, like kind of in my own life. Cause there's, I like having like a couple of different things happening and a couple of different identities. 
um, to be to think about. I mean, you have you you seem to have like a lot of identities. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think the big thing in that regard, I guess, is is part of my identity, I suppose, is as just like a life optimizer, like someone who's searching for how do I be happier and and how do I live a better life. And so that journey, while I've been building this business stuff, that journey has also been going on. And I've mostly, I've done a pretty good job of detaching my happiness from outcomes and things. Although with acne, like I, I attached it really deeply, but that it's, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. I think like if you, I had this debate actually, or this conversation with, with another entrepreneur about whether it's good or bad to hold on really tightly to outcomes. And I, and what I've concluded, I think is that, I mean, a lot of the most successful people in the world really tie their identities to outcomes. So if you want to build a really successful business, I think it's really important to tie like your identity or self-worth into the success of that business. People may disagree, but it's going to very negatively impact your own happiness and well-being. And that's where I think you see a complicated relationship between people who are very successful and how happy they are because they're riding the ups and downs. Now, I, I suppose I could be wrong. I mean, maybe Bezos and I know Elon, I feel like he rides the ups and downs. And I mean, if you're working 18 hours a day on whatever you're doing, then you're going to be attached to it. So, so I'll, I'll be transparent. This is something I think about a lot too, because um, as a VC, uh, the, the hard part about being a VC is you don't see the outcome of your work for like 10 years, Yeah. right? So a lot of VCs struggle with this issue of like, am I any good at being a VC? Um, and so if you're attached to the outcome, you're going to be waiting a long time to figure it out. And then even, even then it's not necessarily like definitive. Um, so I've been trying to like, think a lot harder about just like enjoying the process, not being attached to the outcome. What does an outcome even mean tangibly? Um, and, and kind of just embracing like the experience and like the day to day, but it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah. Um, let me ask you, let's see, Th this is kind of a, um, a question I've been asking a lot of people because, you know, people look at you and they're like, wow, this guy is off the charts, amazing, you know, successful, um, charismatic, Although et cetera. I on the successful, I mean, it's, it's very relative to like, I'm in the Bay Area, in Bay Area, <laughs> right? Companies are raising hundreds. I just went to the DoorDash office yesterday and when I left, it was couple hundred people and now it's over a thousand offices three floors and like success is very it's very relative sure sure but <laughs> but let's let's expand the meaning of success right yeah, and yeah. uh i i think i i think give yourself credit a lot of people look at you and they're like wow that's that's fantastic what he's been able to accomplish um wh what's been the the hardest part of of the last like year or two like any like big failures or mistakes or or like kind of key learnings that you've, you've gone through? Well, I, I talked about the acne one and, and that would definitely be the biggest one. Um, well, this, this sort of answers your question, but I think it'll be an interesting topic. So I'll run with it, which is 
Well, one thing I've, I've real, I realized at least over a year ago was that I'm happiest living by the beach and not in cities in a, in a beach town, ideally with surfing. And I spent a lot of this year not in, like not following that. I went to Austin, which does not fit that. It's not near the ocean. It's a city. And I think, well, I've been thinking a lot since I started traveling about trying to really tightly align what I know to be true or what I believe or what I think with my actions. And I think everyone in the world, we, we all operate with some sort of a, a gap between, okay, this is what I should be doing and this is what I'm actually doing. And there's a gap. And, and I think a lot of people have very large gaps of they know what makes them happy or what they're passionate about and they, and they pursue something else. And I've tried to t very tightly align those two and try to reduce that gap dramatically, which I think is a really important thing for being happy to, happy and, and being self-confident. Um, but I failed in this one regard of I know what type of, I've become very in tune with what type of living environments make me happy. And then I didn't do that. And <clears throat> so I, I consider that a failure to a certain degree. It's a low stakes failure, mm -hmm. sort of low stakes. <laughs> but the learning is I want to spend like the rest of my life living in places that will make me happy, which is uh, surfing by the beach and not in a city. And I think maybe the other interesting just piece of that is how big your living environment, how important your living environment can be on your happiness. Like even coming back, we're, we're in San Francisco right now and I lived here for a year. I'm just visiting for a few days and catching up with people I enjoy spending time with. And man, I couldn't live here. <laughs> I was, man, I couldn't live here. I was, I was the other day I was, I was, was it yesterday? No, I'm sorry. Two days ago, I was trying to take an Uber from Soma to Nopa Valley or somewhere. I don't know the neighborhood names that well, but it took 20 <laughs> minutes for the Uber just to get to me because of all the one way streets and traffic and bus zones. And then it took another 20 minutes to drive like a mile and I was like, oh my God, I was like, this should be a commercial for remote work right now. Like, yeah. I mean, I just spent, you know, 40 minutes commuting like a mile. And I was like, my God, like this is. Uh, I don't blame you. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's terrible. I was like, this is, this is not, this is not good. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Um, uh, you know, while we're on the topic of like, of kind of mental health and, and kind of, you know, finding like aligning those, like what you want your life to be in, like what it is. Um, you talked a little bit recently about music and I think we talked about this last time as well, but yeah, we did. We talked about dancing. Yeah. We talked about dancing. Uh, and, and I know you've like, you've kind of taken a very specific strategy around like the music you listen to, how it affects you. Um, can you just refresh, refresh us on that and like, and, uh, catch us up there. And then I want to ask you a question about it. Yeah. I mean, I listen to happy music and I spend, oh, what was my Spotify year end stat? I spent, I'm, I'm actually trying to spend less time listening to happy music and more time, like listening to like information podcasts because <laughs> I'm sort of addicted to it in a, 
in a good way, I suppose. But I've just realized that listen to happy music, which is tropical house music, which is upbeat happy music, and reggae music, which is chill happy music, just puts me in a good mood. Like if I'm walking around, if I'm on doing whatever I'm doing, I'm listening to happy music. Like it just it just makes me happy. It's it's a really easy shortcut to just being relaxed and happy even thinking about it right now I'm, I'm chill like I'm sticking <laughs> into the chair here and, and I'm smiling and yeah what I went to um ACL which is a, a music festival in in Austin and listen to rock and rap and other people where the music's not oriented around happiness and I just I'm trying to block it out like I uh, I realized, I mean, whatever you feed into your brain is, is what is recycled around and moved around in your brain. And so if you feed in good vibes, like that's where, I mean, if I'm living by the beach and I'm doing things that I enjoy doing and I'm listening to music that, that brings me peace and happiness, then everything about life just becomes better. Okay. So I want to, so I largely agree, but I want to, yeah. I want to challenge Hit just, me. just cause I've been thinking about this. Lately. Hit me. So I largely agree because I find like day to day, I listen to a lot of like new poppy music and it's for the same kind of reason. It's like, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. It's, um, you know, you, it doesn't make you think too much. It's just kind of like happy, bubbly kind of uh, music. And, uh, and I, I realized recently, like I hardly ever listen to like what I think of as like my favorite artists <laughs> or like, or the artists I grew up with. Because when I, when I listen to that music, I'm often like more so than, any other sense, like if I'm, if I'm hearing music from like when I was in college or when I was high school, I am brought back there, mm. like uh, emotionally, like mentally. And for some reason, maybe it's just me, like more often than not, it's like I'm brought back to like the stresses of that time or like, or the, uh, the challenges of that time. Um, so for example, there's this like, there's this amazing strokes album that I love, but I listened to it like nonstop when I was like doing my master's in engineering. And when I, listen to that music although i love it it takes you it back. takes me back and i'm like all stressed out i'm like oh my goodness i'm never gonna finish this project um so 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 that's what that's what i found so i largely agree however i've recently been exposed to an idea um by a guy named peter rollins okay. about about lack and like you know and this kind of ties to social media a little bit in that Social media is, for the most part, is a lot about showing your best life, your best self, your vacation photos, showing all the great things and not showing the vulnerable side, which is, again, why I was so impressed with what you were doing with, with uh, talking about acne and talking about some of these other issues. Um, but th this, this idea that, that he has is like everyone, despite that, the way people present themselves, everyone has lack. Everyone has, like literally everyone has lack. Like, Elon, Bezos, like they all have, are struggling with something um, and don't feel fulfilled. And so uh, what he brought up is that the contrast, which is again related to, somewhat related to music and environment, which is contrasting the, um, the dance clubs, right? Where the music's really loud, it's in your face, you can't, even, you can't talk, you can't think, you just can dance, express yourself, uh, with the the old like Irish pubs. He's an Irish or UK type of type of guy, um, where people would go. They wouldn't get drunk. They would just drink maybe a couple beers and talk. And more often than not, they're talking about their problems. And it was a place, like it was an environment, it was a community where people could talk openly about the things that are challenging for them, um, be heard, and then 
and then go home. And that experience has some value. Uh, and I've been, I've been kind of wrestling with that idea recently and thinking, well, should I only be like, if I'm, if I'm only listening to the music or, or the, or having the types of conversations where that are making me feel good, am I, am I trying to escape something that I really should be dealing with? I'm not sure if you've kind of thought about those. So I do. I mean, I, well, is there value to that? Is there value? So what do you mean by escaping something you should be dealing with exactly? Like, is there value to, is there value to, uh, is there value to remembering hard times? Is there value to ruminating on things that didn't go well in your life? Um, I'd say definitely. Cause so you could, I, see, you, I could probably, you could make both arguments. I probably spend 3% of my, two, th two to 3% of my music time listening to songs that bring me back to a certain place, whether it's depression or whether it's, um, yeah, I guess that would be the big one is, is there certain songs I listen to in really intense moments of my life? And sometimes when I need a little boost and reminder of, of, I guess my past, yeah, I'll, I'll put on those songs and I'll rock out. Um, but I spend, you know, 97% of my time, like just trying <laughs> to live in, in a happy place. But, but yeah, I have similar things of, I have certain songs that I associate with, with, I mean, the one that comes to mind is like POD youth of the nation, which, oh, is, yeah. <clears throat> which is about like the school killings. And, uh, not that, not that I was, I was thinking about, I just associate that with the, I associate that song with the intensity and like fragility of the mind. And, uh, yeah, that song hits me. Mm. Yeah. The, the example I, I used recently is like, I was having a tough day and normally I'm just trying to like bounce out of it, like, you know, get, get in a better mood. But I actually, because of this, uh, this idea, I started like exploring, okay, let me listen to some sad music. Let me listen to a podcast that was kind of like dark. And, uh, and it didn't, it didn't make me feel better that day. It kind of kept me in that, in that world. But I was, I was kind of like wrestling with it, I feel like. And the next day I felt so much better. Interesting. So and you, it's interesting you mentioned like the 3% to 97%. I feel like maybe everyone's <laughs> going to find that right ratio for them. But that, that, does, that seems like it might be close to my ratio. But that would, would be good. Um, cool, man. Um, so just kind of wrapping up, um, here's, a, here's a question I want to ask you. Again, I get back to, I think a lot of people look at you, what you're doing, say like, I want that, right? And... I wonder, like, do people come up to you just like all the time and are like, teach me, let me be your apprentice. Let me, let me follow you around. Teach me how to do what you do. No. And would, some people, and, and would you ever consider doing something like that? Well, I think I am do, I am going to be doing that from a content creation standpoint because mm -hmm. I'd like to, I'd like to teach and help. Not that I'm like some guru, but, but I, I think about, just sharing experiences. Like I'd like to share my experiences, which I think will be insightful to certain types of people. And 
I'd like to, I'm going to spend a lot of time doing that. And I think certain people will definitely gravitate towards it. Some people will message me stuff like that on Facebook occasionally. More frequently, people will just be like, hey, I, I enjoy, you know, I've gotten a, a bunch of different people in the last couple of weeks who have messaged me and said, hey, I'm really enjoying your videos and your content, which is cool. Mm -hmm. It's a good motivator. Um, I think, well, I think the big thing, and I, I was thinking about this before when you brought up how you'd shared our previous podcast and some people were like a bit inspired by it or whatever. I think the big thing, and this has been one of my big lessons since I, since I started wandering is, I mean, there are no rules. There's no path. Mm -hmm. Granted, most people, like I think about most people in society are, are on the highway and they're driving around the same speed as everyone else. And they're, they're on the, you know, the road that everyone else is on. And I think about my life as like, I drove off the side of the highway. I got out of the car. I like grabbed an ax and just started cutting out, cutting down trees and like really carving out my own path. But there are no rules. Like you can live life any way you want on your terms and, and there, there are guidelines by society to try, try to keep you within the realm of normality. And, and a lot of that just comes from like judgment from parents or peers or whatever. But at the end of the day, if you only have to look yourself in the mirror and, and be, be happy with yourself and what you've, how you spent your time. And, and there are literally no rules in life and business. And that's something that I've really accepted and embraced is there are common ways to do things, but you can do whatever the hell you want. And that's part of the beauty of life and the magic. And, um, and that's what I've, I think that's what I've really enjoyed about traveling is it's, it's just, it's made every aspect of my life so much more of an adventure because on a day-to-day -day level or on a week-to-week -week level, like there's just built-in adventure and it feels like I'm on this grand journey and a big part of it's because I'm wandering around. And I think part of that is because uh, it's somewhat, it's not a super common thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can, you can do whatever the heck you want and uh, it's a, it's an open, open world and a, and a, a blank book that you get to write your story on. And I think that's part of the magic of life. I love it. And, and I, I like your point too, about it's that it's more about the, the understanding that that exists like that, that's, that's possible. It's not necessarily like people following your path. It's more about like, find your own path. Yeah. Um, but I think what you are giving people, if nothing else is the courage to say, maybe say, Hey, let me find out what my path is and what, what that looks like. Um, well, that'd be great. I mean, if, <clears throat> if people, people are inspired to do that, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, so, and I want to thank you too, because, uh, two reasons. Number one, 
uh, you kind of got me really thinking hard about remote work and distributed work. And, cool. and I've actually translated that into like uh, an investment thesis. And I've been like digging really deep into that area. Um, very soon be making an investment in, in a company there. Cool. And I actually, I actually ran a, uh, I, I didn't tell you this yet. Um, I ran a remote conference on remote work. Really? Yeah. So I had like, uh, it was like 30, 40 people, it was, it was pretty small, but 30, 40 people from all around the world, like conferencing in investors, founders, thought leaders, and uh, it went really well. Uh, and it's a, I think it's a trend in a community that's really young and exciting and, and just has tons of upside. Um, so thank you for that. And just thanks for, you know, being an inspiration to me and to a lot of people uh, who listen to the podcast, just about like living life on your own terms. So I appreciate it. Um, Appreciate you coming back on. Well, I appreciate uh, <laughs> I appreciate the the platform and your time and and the conversation and that's yeah. awesome, man. And so, how can people find you if they want to follow you? Um, so I have a website which is camwoodsum.com and c a m w o o d s u m dot com, and I have an email newsletter on there. And then you can find me on YouTube on Cam Woodsum, where I've recently started putting out videos. And then that's that's its own journey. And Instagram, same thing, Cam Woodsum, Twitter, Cam Woodsum. And uh, yeah. Awesome, man. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Epic Human Podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by SBZ Legal, a boutique law firm based in Oakland, California, that specializes in working with early stage startups. Having met all of the individuals at this organization, I can attest that they not only talk the talk, they really walk the walk. And you couldn't ask for a more down-to-earth, mission-oriented group of people. Highly recommend. Uh, and if you enjoyed today's episode, uh, please follow us on Twitter or Facebook at Epic Human Pod. Uh, and if you like today's episode, I would ask that you like and subscribe. And if you love today's episode, I would ask that you give us a rating and a review, good or bad. It really just helps to make the podcast better. So until next time, we will look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Epic Human Podcast.